Today, as we begin our um, journey together, this journey of Lent, it's an intentional journey wherein probably all of us or most of us have come here prepared to lay aside um, specific pleasures or habits or distractions. We offer these things to God during Lent, asking him to resensitize us to himself. We're not trying to earn his favor, but to lay aside things that we typically lean on or derive comfort um, or consolation from in order that we might draw closer to God and have him fill those spaces. And as Lent moves us toward the cross of Christ and beyond it to the empty tomb on Easter, we empty ourselves of some creature comforts in order to identify with the one who emptied himself of everything. This um, passage in Psalm 103, it uses a phrase that's used throughout the Bible to describe this posture, this intentionality of turning from ourselves or from things that we would lean on or cling to or find identity in and turning to God even though we don't know him fully and and we, we can't comprehend him completely. We turn toward him intentionally saying, I want to trust in you. I want you to help me. I want you to show me mercy. This posture in the scriptures is called the fear of the Lord. It's ironic in our language, isn't it? Because we usually run away from things that we're afraid of. Where in the scriptures, the fear of the Lord is a running toward God. Where else are we going to find compassion? Where else are we going to find power and deliverance? Where else are we going to find forgiveness? We need to come to you, Lord, and identify with you and attach to you and cling to you. That's the fear of the Lord. It's fearing him more than we fear the other things. As we turn to Psalm 103, David, the author of this song, this hymn, he gives us this gracious invitation from God to draw near to him. And he also gives us ample reason to do so, to slow down and spend focused time remembering him and attaching to him. Let's look at three of these reasons as we go through part of Psalm 103. We're going to be spending our time in verses 6 through 14. And the first thing, we're going to start at the bottom of those verses, in verses uh, 13 and 14. We need to draw near to God. You need to draw near to God. You need to turn toward God intentionally during this season because you lack compassion. You lack compassion on yourself. You lack compassion for yourself. When I fail or sin, when I see the signs that I'm subject to compromise and distraction and failure, as I'm aware of those things, I'm hard on myself. I don't know about you, but I'm hard on myself. I am not compassionate. I think I should be more like God than I am. And I assume that he feels the same way about me. But listen to what verses 13 and 14 say. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers, he remembers that we are 
dust. God remembers that you are dust, that you are a human being, that you're subject to distraction and compromise, and that you have frailties, and that you carry injuries, maybe going all the way back to your childhood. You're set up a certain way to twist your ankle in certain potholes. And when you do, probably you lack compassion. But God doesn't. We turn to God out of fear, believing what he says is true. That he, better than you, he remembers that you're dust. That you're a human being. That you're not a God. You're a person. So what is the fear of the Lord? Fear of the Lord is looking to him and attaching to him, believing that he always shows you compassion that he always remembers who you are and who you're not. We turn toward God and we slow down to ask him to resensitize him to himself because we lack compassion, but also because you are harassed by evil and the devil's works. We come here, all of us today, in some way. Think about what's going on in the world and just kind of keep bringing the concentric circles closer to, you, to your own heart and your own life. We're harassed as people in this world by evil and by the devil's works. The devil is at war against us. Evil is at war against us to undo us, to dislodge us from God, to dislodge us from each other, to dislodge us from ourselves to dehumanize us, and we're tired. We're tired. We're tired of seeing our families harassed, our children, our parents, our siblings, our, our friends. We are harassed in this life and made to feel helpless in our own frailty. And, and we come to wonder sometimes who is powerful enough to keep us safe? Who is powerful enough to keep our families safe? Will these circumstances overwhelm and sweep us away? Will they get the last word? Will the trouble that we see win the day? Go back up to the top of this section, verses 6 through 7, and listen to how David introduces God here. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Here God is drawing you in to use your imagination to remember how Yahweh appeared in Egypt when his people were there in slavery. That God sees injustice and he sees unrighteousness. He sees the works of the devil. And in the fullness of time, God shows up and he delivers his people from evil. And he delivers his people to himself. For those of you who are visiting, there's a great series that Aubrey preached through um, the book of Exodus recently. And there's so much good here in terms of what God did when he showed up in, um, in history to deliver his people. Israel was overrun. They were oppressed and harassed. They could not catch a break. 
it kept getting worse and worse. I don't know if any of you are coming into this Lenten season just feeling worn out by evil. Worn out by the devil's schemes. Israel was in that place. Everything was unraveling and they were helpless to change anything. So what is the fear of the Lord as this psalm presents him and invites us to draw near to him even in the midst of this fatigue? It's to look to him who appeared before Moses and Israel and Pharaoh and Egypt so that all the world would know that Yahweh controls all of creation as he intervenes with these ten plagues and bends natural laws in order to set his people free. There's nothing he can't do. And so it's to recognize that even though I can't see a way through my circumstances, you, God, work on behalf of your people. You work righteousness and you work justice. God, please help. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to see him above the, above the fray. To believe that God did rise up to bring righteousness and justice and to believe that he's done so again and again and again. So as we embark on this journey together, we do so bringing our fear and weariness to God. We do so collectively and individually believing that God will win the day as he works to reconcile all things under his Christ. A third thing that we see in this passage is that Our conscience condemns us. This is another obstacle to drawing near to the Lord. This is another obstacle to the fear of the Lord. That we can become so aware of our failures and so aware of our sins that we think this is all great and the rituals are great and the scriptures are great, um, but I'm not sure if they apply to me or I'm not sure if they apply to me this year. (laughs) our conscience is quick to condemn us because we know that we disobey and we know that as we know that we disobey, we feel dirty about that. We feel disqualified by that. This is tricky. There's a funny story. It could be urban legend, but it it seems like it's true. Um, How does that sound? Does that sound? It sounds true. I read it on the internet. No, there's this story that Arthur Conan Doyle, Conan Doyle, the, the one who wrote the Sherlock Holmes books, that as a prank, he sent a telegram to 12 of his closest friends, all people of position and respectability. And, you know, these are all, I mean, I think he was a knight, right? Isn't it, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Um, so these are people of stature. But he wrote this telegram to them saying, Quote, flee, all has been discovered. (laughs) To 12 people. And the story, if you you can go look it up yourself, um, the story is that within 24 hours, all 12 of them had left the country. (laughs) And and there's arguments, you know, is, is this misattributed to him? Could it have been Mark Twain? I can certainly imagine Mark Twain doing it. I don't know if his friends would have been of the same caliber as Sir, as, as Sir Arthur's. But we can all kind of identify with that. 
We know that we've amassed a track record. What if all of our stuff was revealed somehow? So we just get worn down by this, and it affects what the scriptures call the fear of the Lord. We end up fearing our own track record and fearing our own rap sheet more than we fear God's faithfulness, more than we fear God's um, loving kindness and steadfast love that follows us and that continues to wrap us up and overtake us. We fear our own capacity to fail and sin more than we fear and acknowledge God's ability to see all of that and to somehow um, take care of it. So this passage spends most of its time here, verses 8 through 12. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Listen, these two hyperbolic statements to to help us understand how huge this is. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. The one who delivered himself from Egypt with this unimaginable power. If, if you take the power of God, just the sheer power of God in those episodes, and then you try to integrate this thing that the scriptures say, that he's compassionate toward you, and then you integrate this other piece that says that he loves you and that he's going to use all of that power somehow, just as he removed Israel out of Egypt, where do they come up in the story ever again? Right Until Jesus and, and Mary and, and Joseph, they, they go there. But God totally delivered Israel from Egypt. And the scriptures are saying he's done the same thing with your sin. He's totally removed it from you. So as we draw near to God during Lent and, and, and fear the Lord accordingly, Believing his steadfast love is even more powerful. Its universe is greater than our sins. We fear the Lord in the midst of whatever our feelings of guilt. We turn toward him, not away from him, as the one who heals us. The authors in the New Testament pick up this theme. Take yourself to God who is able to keep you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. There's a God who makes you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Paul and the author of Hebrews, they all riff on this theme that God has made us to stand blameless and without reproach before God. So here we are together to to embark on this Lenten fast, to take more time and to make more space for God to own us. So let us draw near to him, remembering how he has drawn near to us. And may he quiet us with his compassion and drive back our enemies and make us to know and stand joyfully in his forgiveness. Amen.